Welcome back to the Life Beyond the Summit Faith Journey Podcast for Men. I'm your host, Steve Crowdus. Andrew Platts is with me in studio. Hi, Steve. Hey, Andrew. Uh, hey, you know, last time, uh, audience, we, we talked about being all in, Andrew, last time on the podcast. And we want to revisit the topic because it really is pretty, it's a pretty lofty topic and it's a pretty sure. deep question as to whether or not we're all in. Um, and last time we kind of left a teaser with you guys at the end of the of the podcast. And um, Andrew wanted to hear a quote that I had discovered and used in a previous discussion I had at a presentation I made to a men's ministry here locally. But this is an incredible statement. It says, your greatest asset becomes your greatest liability if not given over to the one who gave it to you the, in the first place. So let me read that again. Your greatest asset becomes your greatest liability if not given over to the one who gave it to you in the first place. What is What does that mean to you? Well, you know, this goes directly to whether or not we're all in. What is it that we're holding on to that won't allow us to go deeper or into deeper places and spaces with the Lord to allow him to have more of who we are. And we don't have to address it specifically because you as an audience participant, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, you can ask yourself that question. What asset is becoming your greatest liability because you're not giving it over to the one who gave it to you in the first place? And there's another quote here, Andrew, real quick. I'll just say this, and then I want to read something from Stephen Jobs. But um, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. That one is suggesting it is a brilliant thing to give away, uh, to give away what you have, to, to recognize that what you're going to gain, you cannot lose. So the willingness to give up whatever it is we're holding on to is worth it in God's economy. Does that make sense? Sure. So, um, Interestingly enough, Andrew's family is on a on a string together, and, and one of his kids sent uh, this to him. This is really fascinating. So, you know, it's interesting, Andrew, with Stephen Jobs. I think there's probably not a single person listening to this podcast. There's very few people in the civilized world that don't know who Stephen Jobs is. And as you said just a few minutes before we got on the podcast, Stephen Jobs, in the day that he died, back in, I think it was 11, he was age of 56, died from... I believe it was what cancer, colon cancer, colon cancer. Really a sad story, of course. But what's of greater significance is this revelation he had that were his some of his final words that he shared. I'm going to read it to you in a second. But the interesting thing is, like you said, Andrew, Apple wasn't what it was then, like it is today. It was not as visible, but it was known globally. I yeah, don't it was hugely popular back then, but now now it's over the top. It's Far over the top. Yeah. I mean, everybody has an Apple phone. Everyone knows who Apple is. Uh, the whole world recognizes Apple. Back yeah. then, most of the world, but now Apple is in the stratosphere when it comes to stocks, when it comes to ideas. Well, yeah, it's way beyond what Steve Jobs even hoped or imagined it might become. Although he was onto something. He realized he was onto something yeah. that could be big. And, of course, today it's big. The point to saying that is that in at the point of his death, he wasn't as well-known likely as he is today today i would think his name is synonymous with apple for anybody that knows uh, he's pretty well known back then he's pretty well known back then yeah. but even more today because yeah. everybody holds the name of this the name of the company in their hand they call the thing do you have an apple right you know then you don't say what kind of i you have an apple i have an apple you know mm -hmm. so which is obviously also the name of the company but what's fascinating 
he he was a modern day. I, I did a, a little quick bit of research in 2011, or at the point of his death, he was ranked 110th wealthiest in the world. And the reason I was interested in finding that out is because Solomon in the Old Testament was considered, not just in the Old Testament, he is considered to be the wealthiest man that ever lived. And probably will ever live. And probably ever will ever live. And we know about um, the book of Ecclesiastes, which is really a reflection on the worthlessness of everything except a relationship with God. So listen to this quote from Stephen Jobs. It's pretty powerful. It's a great, you know, stepping off point. This was Andrew's idea. His son sent it to the whole family on their uh, on their link. Um, but anyway, here's what these are, these are directly from Stephen Jobs. I have reached the pinnacle of success in business. In other people's eyes, my business is a success. However, aside from work, I've had little joy. Now let's listen to these words carefully, everybody. At the end of the day, wealth is just a fact I've gotten used to. Right now, lying on my hospital bed, reminiscing all my life, I realize that all the recognition and wealth I took so much for pride in has faded and become meaningless in the face of imminent death. You can hire someone to drive your car or make money for you, but you can't hire someone to stand sick and die for you. Material things lost can be found again, but there's one thing that can never be found when it's lost, and that's life. Whatever stage of life we are currently at, in time we face the day the curtain closes. Love your family, spouse, and friends. Treat them right. Cherish them. As we get older and wiser, we slowly realize that wearing a $300 or a $30 or a $30 watch both give the same time. Whether we have a $300 or a $30 wallet or purse, the amount inside is the same. Whether we drive a $150,000 car or a $30,000 car, the road and the distance are the same, and we reach the same destination. That we drink a bottle of wine for $1,000 or $10, hangover is the same. That the house we live in is 300 or 3,000 square feet, loneliness is the same. You will realize that your true inner happiness does not come from material things of this world. Whether you're traveling first class or economy, if the plane crashes, you go down with, with it. Therefore, I hope you realize when you have friends, boyfriends or friends, brothers and sisters, with whom to discuss, laugh, talk, sing, talk about north, south, east, or heaven or earth, this is real happiness. An indisputable fact, don't raise your children to be rich. Educate them to be happy. So when they grow up, they will know the value of things and not the price. Wow. Now, this doesn't speak directly to a relationship with God. He didn't, to our knowledge, have a relationship with Jesus, but it does speak to the concept that things produce nothing but themselves, and there's no lasting value to any of it. He had discovered something on his deathbed, but yet it was a truth, but he didn't get the full truth, even while he was dying. There is no reference to spirituality. There's no reference to seeking God, seeking the Creator, even if he didn't go to Jesus. There's no reference to Jesus at all. And so he said, I reached the pinnacle of success in business. And then he said, I realized that all the recognition and wealth I took so much pride in has faded and become meaningless Mm, mm. in the face of imminent death. 
And so think about this, Steve. He had everything. A man worth about $9 billion could go and buy anything, have anyone at his disposal. Mm-hmm. He had as much freedom as any billionaire has, which he could buy businesses, pleasures, women, anything he wanted. Yet even on his, so on his deathbed, he said the real value is people, which he's correct. Mm -hmm. Knowing people, sewing into your family and loving your children, Mm -hmm. spending time with them on vacations, getting to know strangers, getting to know the people you work with, giving into their lives. But he never truly knew what the joy and the freedom and the love of God is in your own heart. He never experienced knowing the Lord. Yeah. So just kind of hone in on that. Well, you know, the real, I think the real key for uh, any of us is, again, we recognize that Steve Jobs was on top of the world. You know, at the time he may have only been the 110th wealthiest. Well, that's, you Pretty know, wealthy. There were only 109 guys wealthier than him on the face of the earth, and there are how many billions of people on the face of the earth? I think it is billions. Am I right about sure. that? Of people we're approaching so eight it's billion. Still, it's still quite an accomplishment, obviously. But the point I want to make is now he's a household name, and you know how can we not, from a professional perspective, as he himself said, he had achieved everything and beyond that this world has to offer, mm-hmm. and he was saying, really. He was mimicking without understanding the source of life. He was mimicking Solomon. You know, we have a guy from the Old Testament way back in the when. When when was when was Ecclesiastes written? It was written. Do you have any idea? Long. Well, yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, we don't know. Hundreds yeah. of cent- centuries before Centur- Christ. Centuries before Christ, acknowledging the the frivolous nature of pursuing things of this world, and you bring that all the way forward to Stephen Jobs, another very notable. Uh, personality and, and, and human who's acknowledging on his deathbed, oh my goodness, I think I have perhaps pursued all of the wrong things. I think he was remorseful. He, was, think he, he was, was lamenting, lamenting that his short 55 years were, he, he, did, he didn't put life in its proper perspective he and he put too heavy of an emphasis on all the ways in which he was successful. He poured his life into Apple. Yeah. And it was his dedication and it was his love. And you know what? You can't take that away from the guy. No, you can't. But, I mean, but and I, I like what I do, Steve. I know you're a builder. You like what mm-hmm. you do. It drives us in the morning. We, we get up in the morning. We like to do it. Sometimes we don't, but most of the time we do, right? Yeah, sure. And that's not bad, but was it a, was it a balanced life? And, and here he is yeah. at the very end thinking, mm. What have I done? What have I done if I had to do it over again? Yeah. You know, at that point, it was too late. And the, the, really the saddest part, Steve, is that he never pursued knowing God. Now, I came to know Jesus because I was looking to find God and who he was. And in trying to find the truth through my heritage, which is Judaism, I looked to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And to get to God now, you have to go through Jesus. So I found Jesus because I was pursuing the truth. Mm-hmm. So he didn't even pursue the truth. It's like right. spiritual a spiritual knowledge just, it wasn't on his radar. He didn't, and I know people like this. I talked to him about Jesus, and literally, Steve, it goes right over their head. It's like I'm talking to a blank wall. I get this dumb kind of 
empty stare and they're they're just not there like mentally and their personality they're not they're not there to receive the word uh it's good to good to speak it anyway you know some of my family sometimes i sure. i get this stare or or just common people that i'm speaking about say do you, you know do you need to know want to know the truth do you want to know who god is you get this look and they're just not they're just not there this is steve jobs yeah and it's interesting that i mean he was really onto something he didn't he didn't have the answer because well he knew he didn't have the ultimate answer which we would Andrew and I would profess to all listening and certainly among ourselves that pursuing God is the answer that knowing Jesus Christ as your personal savior and then developing a relationship that leans into his lordship over our lives in other words where we, over time we empty ourselves you know the bible talks about the the washing of the water of the word it takes time to rinse our flesh out of ourselves, uh, to rinse our natural desires and our natural bent out of us so that we're becoming more supernaturally minded, that is godly or heavenly minded. He, he didn't have that, but he was totally onto something here, even as a non-believer. So for those of you that that applies to, if you're a non-believer and you're sitting there thinking, Why, which I want to weigh these two, I want to weigh the, 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 uh, a heavenly minded lifestyle that is to say, a lifestyle submitted to the Lordship of God, of Jesus Christ, salvation and so on, weighing that against your natural propensity to succeed, well, you have the king of success saying to you, please, please listen to my words. It is not what it looks like from the outside. It has its own heavy toll. And he, he he's saying by virtually what we read here, you can go find that. All you got to do is go to Stephen Jobs' last words, Google that, and you can read the very thing I read to you and that Andrew and I shared among ourselves. These are words worth reflecting on, but we don't want to stop with just those words. They're just, they're very wise, wise words from a wise, wise man. Well, he's a modern-day Solomon. He's a modern-day Solomon. That discovered in Ecclesiastes and also, uh, remember, Solomon wrote either most of Proverbs or... I think it was most of Proverbs, maybe all of Proverbs. Right. So God had given him great wisdom, wisdom. and insight and insight, understanding, understanding regarding oh all gosh. kinds of Revelation. things. Yeah. The Queen of Sheba came probably hundreds, maybe a thousand miles right. to visit him, to sit in his presence, just to, to hear the wisdom. And yes. every time a king and queen came to visit him, they would lavish him with tremendous amounts of wealth and gifts. This guy was the richest of the rich, and yet yeah. he saw the folly of just pursuing, pursuing all of that. But he had he knew that ultimately the answer was God. I mean that's, yes. that's the big difference. Solomon his heart was content to discover that in the end it's all folly. The only thing that's worth pursuing is God. And that's that's the message that we want to continue to pursue and talk about today. You know, this is a topic Andrew that, you know, you you mentioned on the last podcast and I I let you, you know, run with that, of course, but I all of us struggle with what is it that we need to give up? And I and we don't need to speak to specifics, though either one or both of us can, and you certainly can at home. Some of what you need to give up may be very private, very personal, but but we all need to examine our hearts and decide what is it that we need to give up. And probably the best test as to, as to what has a hold on us are the things that when we consider giving them up, how hard it is to release them. True. You know, that's that's really the test. 
you know, it's a funny thing. Andrew, Andrew wanted to help me clean my car out just to, before we went on the podcast because he was in it and thought, man, you need to clean this out. I said, I need to think about everything that's in there. <laughs> and he says, why do you need to think about it? Just get rid of it. You know, mo- well, I said, well, obviously some of it is not quote unquote trash. You know, some of it is important a receipt this or whatever that might be. But the point is all anything that we have to think through and then to decide whether or not we can release it. Some of the things we can't release, we need for practical reasons, you know, receipts or tax information or whatever. But but the things that are of discretionary, that's the area where we really need to think about. Discretionary, of course, means that it's at my discretion. Mm -hmm. It's, It's neither needed nor not needed. I either want it or I don't want it. Those discretionary items are the ones that generally hold the tightest grip on us. Whatever that might be, you know, it, it, I, I I have a problem with with food. You know, I that's something that he doesn't have full lordship over. You know, my doctor wants me to lose sixty five pounds, right? And I've been, you know, I I mean, you know, it's, he he says you got to you got to lose this weight. It's going to kill you if you don't lose the weight. But the point is, what are the and why am I holding on to something like food? Why does that level of gratification? We know I know all about. Most of the listeners know about endorphins and, you know, your biochemistry and how food affects our mood. Those are all factual things. But at what point do we decide I'm willing to live a life streamlined and obedient and disciplined in order to allow the Lord to be all that he wants to be in us? This is never an issue of him not wanting for us something that doesn't draw us closer to himself. He wants us to glorify him in all facets of our life and living. And to the degree that we don't, we need to examine what it is that stands between us. Generally, it's not the thing. Mm -hmm. It's what the thing has over us. That that possession, whatever it may be, mental, emotional, spiritual, or physical, these things have some measure of power over us. But I will come to this, I've come to this understanding there are all kinds of things that hold us back from knowing the Lord and serving him. It's, it's not in our own power that no, we are going to, that we're going to in our own strength, that we're going to be able to give these things up. It's, it's in these passages. Okay. I'm going to let, I'm going to let the audience discover it themselves. Okay. So if you're saying, well, I've got all these things, money may be one of them. Influence yep. may be Amen. another, you know, I know there may be another dozen, two dozen, three dozen more, I need to recognize these things. I need to give them up. My challenge is this. You'll find freedom, okay, in these words. Are you ready? Yeah, go. I'm going to go to Matthew 23, sorry, verse 22, verse 34. If you got your Bible, open it. Yeah. So this it says, but when the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered themselves together. And one of them, a lawyer, okay, here we go with lawyers, yeah. Who know how to cross examine. With all due respect to Lord. <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening, we love, I have a lawyer in my guys. family. We love you guys. Yeah. <laughs> a lawyer asked him a question, testing him. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus, knowing the word and having a relationship with the Father, said, This is an easy one. This is like a layup. And he said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. And he's he's referencing Deuteronomy 6, yeah. 
where God is giving through Moses instructions on how the Israelites shall live. I'll just go to verse. Um, go to four. I'll go directly forward. It says, "Hear, O Israel." This is the Shema in in Judaism. The Lord is our God. The Lord is one God. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart, and then you should teach them to your children. And you should bind them on your on as a sign on your hand and on your forehand. You should write on the doorposts of your house. So, Steve, what do you think of this? If here, here's my question to you in the audience. We left the other podcast that I was kind of talking about. Am I all in? Do I really love the right. Lord with all your heart? And I would say this: as you do your best to love the Lord and spend time with Him daily, or as much as you can looking at the Bible, singing to him, worshiping him, Mm -hmm. praying for others. It's the Holy Spirit that starts revealing to you the truth, the things that are binding you up, that are Mm -hmm. keeping you Mm -hmm. chained up. And it's the Holy Spirit that does this supernatural work in you where these weights that are making your, your feet feel like they're 30 pounds start to fall off and you get set free a little here and a little there, mm-hmm. a little this month, and a little bit more this year. And it's as you love on the Lord, he is the one who mm-hmm. is the teacher. Brings He's the, the counselor. He's the one he the that, yeah, that teaches you all things. I mean, we start out not knowing a whole lot, but little by little, year after year, it's the Lord, I, I, I believe, that helps us to love him. He's teaching us spiritual things, not fleshly things. And these spiritual concepts that we start imagining and seeing in our heart then become truth in our soul. It starts out by your your heart gets sensitive to the voice of the Lord. It gets sensitive to the reading of the word. What you focus your heart on becomes sensitive. And and what you don't focus your heart on, then you become sensitive to that. So if your heart is focused on let's just say sports, that's all you think about. That's all your soul is into. But as you become sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit and to his uh, you know, teaching, God shows you how what it means to love him with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. And I think, I think that's a valid... What do you think of that theory? Yeah, that's, well, that's good. I mean, that, that goes to the notion of the washing of the water of the word. I mean, it is a transformational process. It's, it's really gaining insight and revelation. You know, Andrew, you just read out of uh, Deuteronomy 6, 4, and I want to reiterate verse 7. It says, impress on your children. Talk to them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the doorposts of your houses and on your gates. Well, why would he say that? I mean, I I think the reason, I'll I'll answer my own question. I think the reason he says that is because the flesh is so powerfully impacting and overwhelmingly um, in control. And he's saying these things. I mean, look, impress on your children. Talk about it when you wake. Talk about it when you walk along the road. Talk about it when you lie down. Talk about it when you wake up. Tie these as symbols on your hands and your foreheads. This is how thick-headed we are in the natural. 
and look, I, I like to go back to this. But I think it Wait, let me say this. In Proverbs, it says, this is just what you're saying. It says, Proverbs said, my son, keep my word and treasure my commandments within yeah. you. Yeah. Keep my commandments to live and my teaching as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Yeah. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Yeah, Say to wisdom, thing. you are same my thing. sister, and call understanding your intimate friend. Yeah. So is it is God saying, well, what's God saying? Why does the word have to be on doorposts, on walls? Well, you know, the forehead our, thing was a box. Yeah, it's a box. In Judaism. Still that you, is. You, you, it's, if you go to the Wailing Wall, you'll find the, yeah, the, 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 the rabbis and the holy men with these black boxes, I don't know if the audience knows it. There's there's a string that goes or that it's goes around strap, the back actually. of your yeah, I've seen back it. your head, and in there are scriptures. Yeah, yeah. It, I I think Andrew, <laughs> it's because you know. Look, I I go back to this. Oh, I said the word look. Yeah. Um. This this enforcing kind of glaring word look to get everybody's attention. Right. In the book in the garden, Adam had God in his presence twenty four seven. He talked to him. They conversed, they met, they, I mean, and, you know, my point is this, the the very one, the likeness of our, our first man created Adam, right? He had this relationship with God that was ever present. And he himself, because of his sinful nature, chose his own way. I think that's why it says here, he, having the very presence of God, all the time, an intimate relationship, and even he fell to his own way. I think that's why this this scripture verse speaks to this overwhelming sense that our flesh is going to desire the flesh. It's going to desire to pursue the things of the flesh. The only way to overcome our natu- natural inclination and our natural impressions and our natural appetite is to is to allow it to be when we sit and when we walk and when we lie down. And when we get up, this has to be a constant um, a driver for the purpose and direction of our lives. Well, we know God not by the flesh. We know him by the spirit. No, we know him by the spirit. You can't understand the ways of, you of God except through the spirit. But to bring the flesh into alignment with the spirit, we have to go to a place where the spirit life means more to us than our natural life. Um, it's, just, it's just what has to happen. Right. And it is the washing of the water of the word. You know when you have when you have uh, I mentioned this I mentioned I think on the last podcast when you go to like you know I'm in the construction trades right I I don't do the thing but I oversee it and I'm around a lot of filth, dirt dirt and filth and grease and oils and all kinds of stuff when I put my clothes in the laundry sometimes I have to put something like OxyClean in addition to the normal detergent to get the item clean I'm not trying to be silly here I'm trying to make a point well that OxyClean and the detergent together it's like the word and the spirit you know, mm-hmm. that, that's what's going to take that stain out of the clothes. Sometimes, and many times, you have to wash things more than once. Well, the analogy of using the notion of washing is so natural to our sanitation and living healthy mm-hmm. that, that that God uses that same analogy in the scriptures, the washing of the water of the word. Um, that's the notion of being in the word regularly enough to rinse and to wash and to cleanse our, our thinking to purify our thoughts, to purify our lifestyle, to purify the way that we go about living life. And, and you know, we can catch ourselves all the time. I mean, anytime, like, let's, I'll use my marriage. Anytime my wife brings something to me that is need of, of in need of correction, mm-hmm. my natural tendency is to stand to bristle, 
and to not want to be corrected. That's mm-hmm. called pride. And that's what happens in the natural with every one of us every day. We wake up, unless we take captive every thought to the obedience of Christ. Another scripture out of the New Testament, right. take captive every thought to the obedience of Christ. Why do we need to do that? For the same reason that here in Deuteronomy 6 and the 4 through 7 chapters, for the same reason, because our flesh is loud and speaks courageously in an unrighteous way. When my wife brings correction to me and I defend and don't receive that pride, that is sin. Rather than hearing the correction for what it is, and you know, if she does it in a right manner where she says, I feel instead of you did, you know, mm-hmm. that you know that whole right. scenario about the right way and the wrong way to argue over things. When she does it in the right way, and when I have the right attitude, I receive what she has to say as a helpful, healthy, loving rebuke. But when I rear up and defend, I'm operating in pride. And that's why, th- those are all little gauges, Andrew, of what we need to give up. You know, wh- when you correct me, right. if I get defensive, that's a form of pride. I, I, your, your rebuke of me may be inaccurate, but my ability to at least first hear it and then respond to it says everything about where I am in my heart. Does that make sense? Sure. So let's say let's say you you bring something to my attention that you see is going on. I I need to lovingly listen, lovingly listen because likely what you have to share is for my benefit. And and so if I I, I pass the first test when right. I lovingly listen, then I can offer rebuttal. And it may be that I say, well, Andrew, I appreciate you bringing that to me. It's really not an issue to me. Both of those are forms of submitting to correction, and we need to do the same thing with the Lord. And the only way to get there is to allow what we just read. I mean, I, you know, look at this, you guys. I mean, it's it's powerful. Impress on your children. Talk to them when they sit at home. That's, it doesn't say some of when they sit. Talk to them when they sit at home, when they walk along the road, when they lie down. This is an intense engagement, yes. engagement with God's word. But guess what? I think that it needs to be in, in intense because the flesh is intensely pushing back. Right? Yes, yes. It is. Well, the tense, the, the flesh wants its appetite satisfied. Well, we're supposed to put the flesh down. Yeah. We're ab- supposed ab- to, our, this our spirit is, what we get in our spirit when we know what is right according to the Lord is supposed to, are we're put to take the flesh and put it in subject in its, to yes. the proper order. But wait, let's go back to this, Steve. Gosh. That's so hard. the audience might be saying, well, okay, you want us, you want me to, the greatest commandment that Jesus gave and really Moses in Deuteronomy Love says, the Lord your God. with all your heart, your strength, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your strength, with all your soul, with all your soul, with all your might, with all your might. Gosh, that's, that's a, a pretty, that's a, alls. that's a whole bunch of alls. <laughs> what else is left? That is, that is, that is being all in. That's We've got your soul, which is your mind. Yeah. We've got all your strength, which is your, your yeah. energy, your power. With all, all of your, your heart, yeah, which is your inner man. I mean, it's everything. It's everything. And so, okay, so the audience might be saying, and I can understand what I'm about to say as like an objection. Well, are you just saying plaster the word everywhere you go and that will solve my relationship from, from kind of deteriorating or that'll get my relationship going with God? Is that the solution? And the answer is, it's a big solution. Part of the solution. It's part of the solution. 
it's also, you know, getting alone with him and talking to him about life. And I'm talking about real life. Like, you know, God, I appreciate you. I'm thankful that I woke up today. Thank you for my kids. Thank you that my, you know, I'm doing well. You can thank him. You you can, thankfulness is a big part of it. Um, Just knowing him and talking to him and seeing by faith that he's listening. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes I go to God, and I'm like, am I being real? Am I being real? Am I just kind of going through this religious motion? And so it's not all just about the word. When I say just about the word, it's a relationship. And in that relationship, understanding who God is, finding out who he is and what he wants us to be and yeah. how he wants us to act every day and how he wants our thoughts to be. Oh, yeah. And in getting to know God, we know him primarily primarily by discovering him through what is already written down, his words. Yeah. Okay, so here's something that brings to mind. You know, you said the audience might be saying, you mean I got to put this everywhere? To, to, I mean, I would just elaborate on that a little bit. Yeah. Because that's kind of what it's saying to us here. You know, put it on your forehead, tie it on your doorpost, write it on your, por- your, your doorposts and frames and everywhere you are and be. But realize that if that's all you do, no, that's not enough because – the Pharisees did that, you know, that look at that, right? They, look at the, look at the, they were the greatest, now most knowledgeable, most le- deeply read, most deeply stu- uh, studied, uh, of the day. Um, I mean, Paul, yeah, they were all, said, they were all at, head, but no heart. Yeah. Look at Paul. Paul's the best example yes. of the piece that was missing. Paul had a knowledge of God, but did not know God until he had the experience on the road to Damascus. Yeah. But listen, the, it he proved that the law in and, okay, of in and of itself, could not allow that scripture yeah. to take place in your life. That's right. How could you love the Lord your God when it was a For, law to do it rather than something that came out of your own heart yeah. and your own desires yeah. and your willingness to discover the Lord? Yeah, I've I've made this statement before on the podcast way back in the early of our original podcasting. Um, but you remember this, I've talked about, you know, there are many figures in history that you and I can know a lot about. I mean, take Abraham Lincoln. We we can be yeah. a student of Abraham Lincoln and really like the guy and really, you know, we can go backwards and forwards. We can recite his life and his story and his testimonies about him in our sleep. But obviously, in a physical way, we can never. He's gone. We can never, nor did. I mean, in the day, I wouldn't have had a relationship with him, likely. But I could never now, for certain. for certain. But I can know of him. Knowing of someone is not knowing them. True, and and that's what we're really talking about here. The none of this will come to life until we know him personally. So it's 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 not you know the beginning of wisdom. Well, how's that? What's that? The fear of the sure. Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. And if Steve Jobs had gotten a hold of a relationship with God, I'm certain that would have been the uh the aha moment for him as well if he put as much think about all of the heart he gave to apple the mind the soul yeah the strength he was on constant planes talking to people designing things yes if he gave even let's just say i don't know 120 of that energy towards getting alone with the lord maybe at a lake and walking around the lake talking to god or focusing on a scripture and asking god to reveal it or teaching his children something from the Old Testament or something from the book of Revelation, 
or just talking, talking to God while you're in the car. Yeah. If he gave even a 20th of that, he would not have been on his deathbed kind of in like a state of, what have I done? What have I done with my life? Right. And you know, guys, Steve, we haven't talked about this. Do you think he was kind of like, where am I going? Like, did he have that thought in the next two weeks, I may be dead. Am I going to make it into heaven? I certainly hope so. Or was he just totally deceived thinking, well, I lived a successful life. I'm a good man, which we know is a fallacy. Of course I'll make it. I never killed anybody. I never mistreated anybody. I forgave people. I'll make it into heaven. But yet I will tell you, me and you, if we were in the same spot, would have that great assurance that we were just a week or two away from glory. Yeah. So he had a lot of issues. Well, you know what, Andrew, to that point, no one receives the inheritance. It's not a matter of knowing. It's a matter of being. In order for me to receive an inheritance through the Platts legacy, mm-hmm. I have to be a Platts. I mean, I have to That's be. true. I have to be in relationship, unless, in, in the example of Andrew Platts, my co-host, that we're, that's on the, yeah. you know, to, in the studio with me that always is here. He could graciously put me in his will, but the the will is much more automatic when you're in a state of being a Platts. You know, we, we don't, yeah. I, I, I Well, we I know now as children of God that we, we have a great in inheritance. Yeah, we have a not, great inheritance coming. Oh, absolutely. It's so yeah. over the top, you can't even it's describe because it. because we're in a state of being with the Lord. We're in a relationship with him. It's beyond head knowledge. It's into a relational level. And you know what? When we talk about the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom, that fear to me is just the ultimate level of respect, the ultimate level of humility about the fact that this is the Lord and giver of life. This is the very one that created all that I see, all that I know, the air that I breathe, the food that I eat, the water that I drink, as far as the east is from the west. I mean, it's amazing. And so that's... That fear, we're, we're not literally talking about fear in terms of, oh my gosh, fear and trembling, although that level of respect can bring a fear and trembling. But the point is, we have to be in relationship um, Amen. To, to get this. And once you're in a relationship, yet, then we begin to allow the consumption of his word to really transport us Amen. and transform us. So, I, Andrew, I think we... we we got well, I've got round. more to say on this. Yeah, there's more to say on this. I'll, let me leave it as a we'll teaser. teaser I'll say time. this. So Steve Jobs, we're using him because I got this quote, and me and Steve have been yeah, talking about powerful. for a while. So he was the perfect example of a man who was very successful money-wise. I mean, he was a smart guy. He was like a genius. He understood um, math very well, science, um, you know, circuit boards, and he created the first computer. It was the, um, he named it the Macintosh. But we can also talk, Steve, about all the other people who feel like they're also successful in life, not just by money, but by other things that they have done. Oh, yeah. And I, I want to I leave it at this. Me and Steve have talked a lot about how we made a course correction. I made the course correction, I think, in my early 40s. Maybe for Steve, I don't know, it was a decade little, since you're older little, than me. Yeah. Maybe late 40s, early 50s. Yeah. We made that course correction. And what was the course correction? We really started sewing into our spiritual lives. So I want to leave it like, well... How many people, Steve, need or, that are listening that have heard things like this 
need to make that spiritual course correction. They need to start saying, well, I need to sow into the spirit. I need to find the Lord and I'm going to do whatever it takes. And I'm not going to waste any more decades trying uh, in my pursuit of things and my pursuit of what I think is correct. Wow. That's, that's a, a good way to maybe close out this particular uh, podcast. Um, boy, if you've related to this, we want to invite you to come back, share this with your friends, uh, be enlightened by God's word. It, he says, I am, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. What a proclamation, but what also a statement of liberty. I no longer have to fight. I no longer have to grovel. I no longer have to be in chains. I no longer have to try to define success as the world or anybody else defines it for me. True success is found only in him. God bless you. Thank you so much for listening to us today. The website is lifebeyondthesummit.com. Uh, my my G, my email is lifebeyondthesummit at gmail.com. I welcome anyone to email me to ask a question. I can be reached at 314-581-4272. I'm known as Mr. Coffee. Would love to do coffee with you. Please reach out. Until next time, continue to pursue him with all your heart, your mind, your body, your soul, your strength, even as he says the greatest commandment is to do so. God bless you. We're praying for you. We're believing God for the best for you. God bless. We'll see you next time.